spiritual gift. The Apostle Paul says that God gives each of us spiritual gifts. Brother Lawrence grew up in a poor little community in eastern France. He served as a brother in a monastery in Paris, France, in the 1600s. Early on in his life, around the time he was the age of 18, he received a significant revelation on the power and the providence of God. And he decided he wanted to enter a monastery. But he spent the next eight years fighting in the Thirty Years' War because he was extremely poor and he needed the guaranteed meals and stipend. After he left the military because of an injury, he entered the monastic order. Now, he had no theological training. He had not been to seminary. And so he entered as a lay brother. And since he had no formal theological training, he couldn't do anything really important, right? So they gave him the meager task of washing dishes and repairing sandals. Brother Lawrence worked hard. He gave his all into these tasks that were given to him. Maybe he thought washing dishes and repairing sandals could be used as a gift to glorify God. Whatever he did, he believed he could do to the glory of God. He believed that washing dishes was a vital form of worship. Despite his lowly position in the monastic order, people were drawn to him because of his compassion, because of his care for others of his humility. He understood that you can have an intimate prayer life with God every single moment of every single day. There's a book that's been put together on his numerous letters and journal entries and it is entitled Practice of the Presence of God. In that book he writes these words, men invent means and methods of coming at God's love. They learn rules and set up devices to remind them of that love. And it seems like a world of trouble to bring oneself into the consciousness of God's presence. Yet, might it be so simple? Is it not quicker and easier just to do our common business wholly for the love of him? See, for Brother Lawrence, common business, no matter how mundane or how routine, it could be a medium of God's love. The sacredness or worldly status of a task mattered much less than the motivation behind it for Brother Lawrence. For he also says, nor is it needful that we should have great things to do. We can do little things for God. For I can turn the cake that is frying on the pan for the love of him. And that done, if there is nothing else to call me, I lay myself in worship before him, who has given me grace to work. Afterwards I rise happier than a king, for it is enough for me to pick up but a straw from the ground for the love of God. Brother Lawrence felt that having a proper heart about the tasks that he did every day made every detail of his life possess surpassing value. He says, I began to live as if there were no one save God and me in the world. Brother Lawrence felt that as he cooked meals, as he ran errands, as he scrubbed pots, as he repaired sandals and endured the scorn of the world, he was getting closer to God. One of his famous sayings refers to the kitchen. He said, 
the time of business does not with me differ from the time of prayer. How many of us can say that? The time of business with me does not differ from the time of prayer. And in the noise and in the clatter of my kitchen, while several persons are at the same time calling for different things, I possess God in as great a tranquility as if I were upon my knees at the blessed sacrament. Brother Lawrence demonstrated that God gifts individuals with different spiritual gifts to be utilized for the kingdom of God. For our own little church is filled with a, with a variety of people with different spiritual gifts. For there are people in this congregation who are blessed with musical ability. And there are people in this congregation who are not blessed with musical ability. There are people in this congregation who are blessed with teaching and have poured out their lives teaching and instructing others, from children all the way up to adults. And there are people in this congregation who the thought of teaching would cause us to lose our minds. There are people in this congregation who are blessed with hospitality. There are those who are blessed with the ability to build things. And there are those who, when they try to build things, make more problems than anything else. Putting together IKEA furniture is serious business. You've got to know how to do some stuff to do that. It goes way over my head. I remember like, Aisha! And then I call Henry and he comes over and does it. But there are people who are blessed with building things, Right? There are people who are blessed with financial giving. They have the ability to give sacrificially to the work that God has given us to do. There are people who are blessed with the ability to, to cook, to model compassion and care, to speak publicly, to read, to study. For even this own little church is filled with a variety of different gifts. And the Apostle Paul says that all the gifts that we have come from God. And because of that, because of that truth, no one's gift is any better than another's. For all of our gifts can be used to glorify God. What is your gift? How are you using it to live more faithfully into the kingdom of God? In today's text, the Apostle Paul is addressing the people of Corinth. For the church in Corinth is experiencing division. People became jealous of one another's gifts and abilities. Fighting and quarreling broke out. Arguing and frustration eventually sprung up and led to division. Certain gifts and abilities were viewed as higher esteemed than others. Some would be disappointed with their own gifts. And others would falsely claim gifts that were not their own. People were looked down upon because they didn't measure up to the societal expectations placed upon themselves by others. Many used their gifts for their own personal interests. This is the context to which the Apostle Paul is speaking. He says these words, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. So now he's going to inform you. He says, you know that when you were pagans, you were enticed and led astray to idols that could not speak. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking by the Spirit of God ever says, let Jesus be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. 
Paul begins by reminding the people in Corinth that it is only by the power of the Holy Spirit that they can declare Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord is perhaps one of the oldest Christian confessions. And in many ways, Jesus is Lord seems a bit odd for us to affirm in our context today. For we don't think of lords and kings and palaces. But the earliest Christians understood this statement as a central truth in their lives. Jesus is Lord. All of life was devoted to following and honoring Christ. For Jesus is Lord. Every day, every decision, every aspect of one's life, Jesus is Lord. The early Christians believed that Jesus was either Lord over one's entire life or Lord over none of it. Today, we often make distinctions between the sacred and the secular in ways that the, the early church, the Apostle Paul and Brother Lawrence refused to. For many of us, the sacred is confined to Sunday morning. And perhaps if we're super spiritual, maybe a few times of daily devotion throughout the the rest of our life isn't really sacred. We can certainly say Jesus is Lord during our sacred times. And yet, to say and mean that Jesus is Lord is to refuse to divide the sacred from the secular. And it's to have Christ be Lord over our entire life. The Apostle Paul is basically saying that it is only through the Holy Spirit that one can declare, that one can proclaim, and then that one can live out that truth. It is only by the power of the Holy Spirit that we can declare, proclaim, and live out that Jesus is Lord. Paul's whole letter to the people in Corinth was a critique of them saying Jesus is Lord, but not actually living it out. The church in Corinth was experiencing division. People were jealous of one another's gifts and abilities. There were insiders and outsiders. Many believed that people of only a certain social class or a certain amount of education would be eligible to receive gifts from God. And Paul is challenging this system. He is speaking authoritatively into this power dynamics. He is saying that the gifts of God are not confined to one class of people. For Paul says, everyone who receives the Holy Spirit is endowed with spiritual gifts. And he is saying that all gifts are equal and can all be utilized within the kingdom of God. He continues by saying, now there are varieties of gifts, but it is the same and there are varieties of services, but the same Lord. And there are a variety of activities, but it is the same God who activates all of them and everyone. And then, he says, to each, all, everyone, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common for it is the same God who activates the gifts within each of us. And while our gifts may be different, 
Our God is the same. To each of us, we are each given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. The spiritual gifts that we have is the work of God working in and through us. In Paul's mind, every single gift is given to benefit both the individual and the community. For a faithful individual does not utilize their gift for their own benefit, but for the good of the community. What are you doing with the gift that God has given to you? Sometimes, if we're honest, we don't always appreciate our gifts. We sit on one side of the church and we look across the aisle and wonder if I only had their gift. Life would be so much better. But God has given you your gift for a specific reason. For the Holy Spirit is the giver. Jesus is the authority through which the gift was utilized. Your spiritual gift, the Apostle Paul says, is a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good, in the name of Jesus Christ. We have each been given a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. This is serious stuff. We have been given a manifestation of the Holy Spirit to be used for the common good, not to hold it to ourselves, not to advance ourselves, not to make more money, but to be utilized for the gifts that God has given you, are you utilizing them for the common good? Several years ago, two students graduated from Chicago Kent College of Law. The highest ranking student in the class was a man named Overton, who was blind. And when he received his honor, he insisted that half of the credit should go to his friend, Jonathan. Now, Jonathan was born without any arms. And they had met one another in school when Jonathan helped guide Overton down a flight of stairs. And the acquaintance ripened into a friendship. And it became a beautiful example of interdependence. For Overton, who was blind, would carry the books for Jonathan that he couldn't carry because he had no arms. And Jonathan would read the books in their study as they studied together. You see, Overton and Jonathan utilized each other's gifts to serve one another. After their graduation, they opened a law office together. Like the Apostle Paul suggested, Overton and Jonathan utilized their gifts for the common good. Hey, Charlie. Charlie has the gift of movement. <laughs> Overton and Jonathan utilized their gifts for the common good. They didn't complain about what they didn't have, but they utilized what they had for the sake of the common good. For God has gifted each of us. The Apostle Paul says, all of these are activated by one and the same spirit 
who allots to each one individually, just as the Spirit chooses. God has given you a gift. And are you using it? To live into the kingdom of God. Is it being utilized for the common good? Gifts that God has given us are for the purpose of living into the kingdom of God, bringing hope, healing, and holiness to the world for the common good. So what is your gift? And how is God utilizing it for the common good? We must choose. Will we hold on to the gifts that God has given us to advance ourselves? Or will we share them with others? the world-famous violinist by the name of Fritz Kressler. And he earned a fortune with his concerts and compositions. In faithfulness, he generously gave nearly all of it away. So later on in life, he discovered this amazing, beautiful violin, this exquisite violin that, that money couldn't even, like, touch. But he wasn't able to buy it because he'd given most of his money away. So he decided to start saving his money. And several months later, Kressler had raised enough money to meet the asking price. And he returned to the cellar, hoping to purchase the beautiful instrument. But to his great dismay, when he he approached the cellar, the cellar told him that the violin was gone, for it had been sold to a collector. So Kressler got the address of the new owner's home headed on a journey. And upon arriving, he offered to buy the violin. And the collector said, I'm sorry, but it has become my most prized possession. I cannot sell it, for it is the pinnacle of all of my collection. Keenly disappointed, Kressler turned to walk away. But just as he was about to leave, he had an idea. And he turned to the collector and said, could I play the instrument one last time before it is Permission was granted, and the great virtuoso filled the room with such heart-moving music that their collector's emotions were deeply stirred. And as he looked at Mr. Kressler, he said, I have no right to keep this to myself. Take the violin. Take it into the world and let others hear it. Fritz Kressler shared his gift. Brother Lawrence. The Apostle Paul may have had a gift with writing, so he probably didn't understand about alternatives. But he shared his gift. Should have taken an English class with him. But he shared his gift. He shared his gift. How are you sharing the gift that God has given to you? For it is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit in your life. The gifts that we have are not our own but they're gifts from God for us to be utilized for the common good. Will you share your gifts? Will you share them with others for the sake of the common good, for the sake of the redemption of the entire universe? Or will you hold on to them? Utilize them to maybe make your life a little better. God desires us 
utilize the gifts that we've been given for the sake of the common good. For the Holy Spirit has bestowed these gifts into our lives, not for our own benefit, but for the sake of the world. How are you utilizing the gifts that God has?